At MasterCard, we believe that women-owned small businesses are uniquely inspiring. They're pillars of the community and have a measurable impact on the people within them. It's their secret sauce. We are deeply committed to helping address the daily challenges of all Canadian small businesses by putting our technology, cybersecurity solutions, digital resources, and partnerships to work for you every day. Discover them today at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. MasterCard, start something priceless. At Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday to hear news stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. Brett Colvin is Good Lawyer's co-founder and CEO. Over just three years, Brett has overseen Good Lawyer's growth to a 25-plus person team that was recently named Small Business of the Year by the Calgary Chamber of Commerce. Brett has been a corporate lawyer, and there he experienced firsthand that most business owners can't afford the legal help they need. So he quit the big firm and teamed up with a developer and a designer to build something better. Brett is a law graduate with distinction from the University of Alberta. Brett, welcome to the show. Rick, it's a pleasure to be here, my friend. Delighted to have you here. Before we really get started, what do you hope that our listeners will take away from this conversation today? Well, I mean, even just listening to the intro um, of myself, uh, I think speaks to just how much a startup evolves over time. And, you know, I think if there's one thing for the listeners to think about today, as we kind of talk about the good lawyer journey and and where we've come and and where we're headed, um, just keep that sort of seed in the back of their minds that, you know, building a startup is all about iteration. It's all about learning, you know, ideally from your customers and continuing to improve on what you have every day. And, you know, I can tell you firsthand from the good lawyer experience that the business looks a lot different today than it did, you know, four plus years ago when we started this thing. So um, that's what I would say is just, you know, a startup is an evolution and you really need to lean into that. That's actually a really powerful concept, which we probably don't discuss enough here, which is that, yeah, um, a lot of people work so hard to get company to get that startup right and what they don't necessarily realize is that business is an ever-evolving thing and then that it will change over time it'll change according to all sorts of things what the customers want what the economy does to you and depending on what kind of talent you surround yourself with so so yeah forget the pressure (laughs) do the best you can (laughs) well uh, yeah i think it's just more about recognizing that you're not building a startup 
in isolation. You're not in a vacuum. And what you thought was sort of the best idea on day one is inevitably going to change on, you know, year four. And, you know, for us and for me specifically, you know, it took some time for me to really understand what that iterative process was all about. And, you know, I'm still learning all the time, but I can tell you that I embrace it in a way that, that I never did in sort of the early, you know, years of Good Lawyer. Right. So it's more of a creative process than you thought? It's a learning process. Yeah. You know, you really, really try to, you know, put your best foot forward. Again, the best idea you have today is, is probably not as good as the idea that you have tomorrow. So just really embracing um, that iterative learning process, talking to your customers all the time is, you know, really the name of the game in startup land. And um, like I said, it, it took me some time to really digest and, and fully grasp that. But I, I like to think that, you know, we, we've, you know, taken some punches and, and, you know, got over some obstacles and where we're at today. Uh, I'm really proud of where we're at today. Fabulous. Tell me where you're at today. Tell me a little bit about Good Lawyer and uh, what kind of work you do, what kind of clients you have. Yeah. So Good Lawyer is a legal services platform servicing entrepreneurs, scale-ups and enterprise clients right across Canada. So, you know, we've got well over a hundred lawyers in the network now from coast to coast to coast, as you said at the beginning. And, you know, for us, it really is being that trusted legal ally that can help, you know, the early stage startup founders, but also the scale-ups and the enterprise clients who need to build their in-house legal function for their first time or augment what they already have. And so, you know, as I kind of discussed initially about that iteration, um, our focus from a growth perspective right now in terms of product is actually on something that we call fractional general counsel, which is a concept that, or a product, a solution that, you know, I hadn't even considered in the early days of Good Lawyer. So, um, you know, for us, we're there to support businesses and, and the founders and executives who run them. Um, but that's kind of what we're all about today. Right. Um, tell us a little bit more, though, about uh, what your initial vision was, as opposed to the the, the, the the fractional general counsel theme of today. Yeah, I mean, the early seeds of Good Lawyer really were, uh, you know, I guess, stem from my early days uh, practicing as a corporate lawyer in one of the large national law firms. And, um, you know, I had the opportunity to, you know, see how the traditional firm operated from the inside. And frankly, I, I think it left a lot wanting. And I saw n countless ways to improve, you know, the way we delivered service, the way we supported our clients, importantly, the way we supported lawyers within the firm. And, you know, from really the first months and certainly first year or two, uh, I was at the big firm for over four. Uh, it was just evident to me that, Things could be done better. Things could be done more efficiently. And unfortunately, I was unable to affect any of that change from within, which is really what prompted, you know, leaving the firm, joining forces with my co-founders and, you know, as you said at the beginning, trying to build something better. Man, you, you're giving me flashbacks to my days in big corporate media and yeah, trying, seeing things they could do better and trying to find ways as, you know, one of the youngest people in the office to, to get them to change. That was really hard for me. That, 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 
what kind of things can you share a little bit about that part of the journey and and how you were frustrated in attempts to try and uh, help reform the system as it was? I mean, I was uh, known around the office as Mr. Ideas Guy. And I, <laughs> yes. I, 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 can, I can assure you that that was not a compliment um, <laughs> back in the day. And, you know, uh, I want to say anecdote. that is the best single line I have ever heard on the start of Canada podcast. <laughs> I was known as well, the Ideas well, Guy. Well, it's about it's about to get better, Rick, because the anecdote okay. the anecdote Sorry. that I that I've shared a few times in the past is, you know, the the sort of final nail in the coffin for me, the day that I, you know, I'd already been teasing the idea of leaving to to start this good lawyer thing. Um, but the final nail in the coffin was one of the senior folks coming into my office, slamming the door behind him and uh, just saying, Brett, keep coming up with your ideas. Just keep them to yourself. And that was sort of the moment where I was like, you don't even want to hear the ideas anymore. Uh, I think I'm going to have to start really seriously thinking about an alternative path because, you know, just doing the same things because that's how they were done before was, was not sufficient reasoning. And, you know, I just, I just couldn't see myself chasing that um, for the rest of my life. And, you know, for, plus years in to good lawyer now. And I, I like to think that I made the right move. Did you feel pushed out or tolerated? I was, I felt like a persistent annoyance <laughs> and, you know, I ultimately, a lot of the partners when I left thought I was crazy um, because they just couldn't see how things could be done differently. Um, but for me, it was, it was really, recognizing that there was problems on on both sides of the transaction. You know, clients wanted better, faster, cheaper access to top caliber legal expertise, but at the same time, um, you know, levels of depression, substance abuse, all these, all these sort of mental health issues, health issues just generally, um, you know, could be associated with lawyers across the spectrum. And, you know, it was really that, understanding that the clients were unhappy with status quo, but at the same time, there were a lot of lawyers that were really unhappy with the status quo as well. And, you know, at our core, good lawyer, you know, is a two-sided marketplace. We connect the dots between, you know, these high growth businesses and these good lawyers that are there to serve them. And, you know, at the end of the day, you need both sides. And that was really where uh, I saw the opportunity was because I saw both sides of the equation were really unhappy with, uh, the way things were going, you know. And this is why there will always be entrepreneurship because there will always be the people who try and, 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 and suppress the new ideas and the other people who can't wait to do them. And uh, that's what creates great entrepreneurs and great businesses. Entrepreneurs and founders are my favorite people, Rick. And I think that's, you know, exactly why, you know, the entrepreneurs are the ones pushing the boundaries and frankly, you know, pushing society forward and, I'm fortunate that I get to hang out with those people day in and day out. Yeah. And what does your operation look like? Do you have a centralized office or is it entirely 100% remote? And No. Yeah. So if you would have seen on the video, you could see the big good lawyer sign behind me, but I'm at HQ right now. We're uh, based out of Calgary, Alberta. And, you know, we've got a pretty flexible work arrangement and we've got a few folks on the team in Ontario, boots on the ground. But the, the core group is here in Calgary. 
you know, most of us born and raised Calgarians and, um, you know, this, this is home and this is where, you know, we want to build the future of laws from right here at home. And, um, that being said, from a lawyer network perspective, as I, as I noted earlier, um, coast to coast to coast, and actually our greatest number of lawyers are in your backyard out in Toronto. (laughs) Right. And as CEO, do you still do any client work or are you all administration and leadership? Great question. Um, (laughs) Hopefully I'm not spending too much of my time on administration these days. We've got a fantastic team. There's, you know, 20 of us on the good lawyer team now. Um, I was though the first good lawyer. And when, uh, you know, when we launched good lawyer back in 2020, um, I was getting my friends and my family to use this weird website to book me for, you know, an incorporation or, or what have you. Um, but that didn't last long. It was pretty clear, pretty quick that there were significantly better lawyers in the ether hungry to, you know, change the way that they practiced. And so, you know, I probably did that for about six months after leaving the big firm. And, uh, I am still technically a lawyer, but I've been active inactive now for a few years. Tell me a little bit about what the experience is like for the lawyers that, that, that you have on your team who are working with the, the clients. Is it all remote work that they do? Are, are they doing that out of their homes or do they have a little office with certificates on the wall? Uh, it, it totally varies. Um, you know, our focus is on tapping into sole practitioners. We also work with some small boutiques, but the core focus is really giving superpowers to the the sole lawyer who, like me, you know, probably cut their teeth in a big firm, you know, spent some time in-house. You know, we've got a few folks from like Shopify and places like that uh, in the network now. Um, but where they work is fairly immaterial to us. We do have some clients who want to have that you know, in-person interaction. And, you know, in those cases, we'll find them a lawyer in their city. Um, But, you know, much like it was when I worked at the big firm, you know, a a lawyer works at a a desk or on the couch with their laptop open and, you know, put words on paper. And so, you know, where they are matters significantly less than the industries that they're familiar with. And really, when we're connecting you know, whether it's a fractional GC or whether it's, you know, a project-based service, you know, for an early stage startup to get them up and running. Um, we're always focused on connecting them, the business with lawyers that understand that industry intimately, as opposed to trying to find them the closest lawyer by zip code. Right. And, but just, just to help me understand, um, so, so do most of your lawyers, are they also I don't want to say moonlighting if it's their own firm, if their own practice, but most of them have work with Good Lawyer and outside of Good Lawyer. That is certainly where we started. And that still makes up a significant chunk of the network today. Good Lawyer is supplemental to the practices that they've been building on their own. Right. Um, that being said, it's very much a spectrum. And so we've got lawyers that, you know, will do the odd startup file. And then we have lawyers in the network who run their entire practice through Good Lawyer, um, especially on that fractional general counsel side of things. Those are much larger engagements. And, you know, we just had one of our sort of top guns um, move his family to Costa Rica 
He's got a number of fractional council engagements, runs his entire book of business through Good Lawyer. And, you know, he can do that from anywhere in the world. And, you know, when he's back in, in town or visiting, you know, friends at, across the country, then, you know, he, he makes a point to, you know, grab a dinner with, you know, the clients that he's been working very closely with. But um, that is sort of the future that I see. And, you know, was kind of dreaming about in my, my big firm days that, you know, being a good lawyer moving forward should really be the advantage. It should really be about freedom as opposed to, you know, this sort of dwindling feeling of prestige that, you know, the big firms are, are kind of <laughs> known for. And, and that's really how I see, you know, my generation and, and the ones coming up perceiving the benefits of, you know, practicing is, you know, the freedom that being a lawyer provides you in your life, whether you want to stay at home and raise your kids, whether you want to travel the world. Um, that's what I think uh, one of the biggest perks of, of being a lawyer tomorrow will be. Isn't that interesting? That, 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 that's amazing. I've always thought that the lawyer mindset and the entrepreneur mindset were like 180 degrees in, in, in opposition. One was the, the free booting idea person and the other being the strictly by the book, not much room for imagination and creativity. Now, am I wrong on that or am I, was I once right, but probably wrong now? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong. Um, I think maybe, you know, you need to leave some room for exceptions, you know, as, as in sort of all fields, there are, there are exceptions, but no, I think fundamentally your, your classic lawyer is, you know, more risk adverse than your classic entrepreneur. And, you know, the fact that you have to go to school in Canada and in the States for that matter, for, you know, seven years in most cases, you know, that precludes most entrepreneurs from pursuing a law degree. Not all, you know, Harley, uh, the CEO, Harley the president of yep. Shopify. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he was a lawyer for about 15 minutes. Um, and so I, I do actually think that, you know, going to law school, practicing law sharpens the spear, so to speak, as an entrepreneur, because fundamentally, you know, businesses are, are really predicated on a bunch of contracts. And, you know, if you understand the technical tools that you're working with as a entrepreneur or as a you know scale up founder that's going to give you more power to do the things that you want to do so i do actually think it's a, a total weapon to have a legal background as an entrepreneur but the fact is very few entrepreneurs can stomach 7 years of school and you know i had some i'd say interesting um, personal situations going on at the time that kind of propelled me into law school um because I can assure you that I was very much an odd duck uh, from day one. <laughs> um, and, and, and thank you for bringing up the, that idea that, um, that you know, uh, uh, lawyers can make superpowered entrepreneurs. And I totally agree. I, I've known a number of them. Most of them, there's names I can't remember right now that I've met over my career. And they are so sharp and so strong. And the fact that they know the law, that, and when I say the law, I just mean they know how how contracts work, how, how mm -hmm. protocols need to be done. 
gives them incredible power, not, not to skirt them or anything, but just to fling them aside <laughs> and, and go well, and yeah, do the and, creative stuff. <laughs> and, you know, I think one of the things I, I don't, you kind of foreshadowed this question, but I'm just going to jump the gun. Um, one of the things that I see kill startups way more than they should are early founder disputes. You know, you, you start a company with a couple of your buddies and you're two years in and one of them or two of them have had, had enough and they walk away, but they still own a quarter or half your business. Mm-hmm. What do you do? And, you know, we even ran into that situation at Good Lawyer in the early days. And, and you know, we were able to work our way through it with some, you know, pretty friendly negotiation, I would say, um, with my original co-founder. But that is a situation that tanks startups way too much. And, you know, if only those founders had, you know, the benefit of a good lawyer in their corner in the early days, they would have implemented, you know, some contractual provisions like vesting to ensure that, you know, if a founder does leave in the first year, the second year, the third year, the fourth year, that, you know, they might own a little bit of the company, but you don't have a tremendous amount of dead weight on your cap table that, you know, limits or completely eliminates your ability to raise capital and, you know, ultimately tanks the business. Right, right. Um, just one other thing that occurs to me in looking at the website and, and getting a feel for Good Lawyer, I get the feeling that, you know, you're trying to make the law and lawyers seem a bit more fun than traditionally. I'm wondering how important that is to your brand. I don't know if we're going for fun, but certainly accessible and approachable. Yeah. You know, it's not hard to look more fun than, (laughs) you know, the, the ivory tower and, you know, the three piece suit and, you know, the, the thing that I always hear from entrepreneurs is that they're scared to call their lawyer. And, you know, the number one reason they're scared to call their lawyer is because they know they're getting billed by the minute. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're actually getting billed in six minute intervals. We call that a point one. Um, and so that's the number one reason. But there's also just this little bit of animosity or um, stodginess almost to, you know, the classic lawyer, as I think, you know, you see in the movies and that kind of thing. And I think, um, you know, that's unfortunate because I, you know, spent the first four plus years of my legal career after law school working in, you know, one of the biggest firms in the country. And I can tell you that most of the people are awesome. And, you know, some of my best friends come from the profession. And so, you know, I've always kind of felt to myself, lawyers are good, but law firms break them. And I think the traditional law firm model just drives terrible incentives for pretty much all parties. And, you know, again, that's why we set out to build something better with Good Lawyer that could realign incentives, change the dynamic, bring transparency to pricing, which is such a pain point when it comes to hiring a lawyer. And, you know, really try to create an environment where entrepreneurs, founders are empowered and want to talk to their lawyer because they know it's advantageous for their business and they're not worried about getting dinged every six minutes. Right. Um, 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm just floored because I had a conversation uh, through LinkedIn just a few days ago with someone who's opened up a business um, of counseling uh, lawyers, providing mental health services to lawyers. And I've noticed in my own personal dealings with, with lawyers how much pressure is on them and, and how difficult it is working in that under that pressure and often by yourself every day. Uh, do you think that the big firms are getting better? I mean, there seem to be a, a bit more acknowledgement now about the need for mental health in society. And it sounds like even within the legal profession itself. To put it bluntly, no. Really? I don't think that they're getting material better. I think that, you know, they might create a committee. And, and I shouldn't just like, you know, swipe them all with the same brush. I'm sure there are some that are more genuine with their sort of push to, you know, improve the mental health of, you know, the lawyers within their firm. But on the whole, to generalize, no, I think that the same pressures exist today as when I was in the firm. You know, every lawyer at a big or mid-sized firm is going to have, you know, a fairly arbitrary billable target to hit. And, you know, that is the guiding beacon of your entire year. And I can tell you from experience that, <laughs> life is different when you think about it in point once, six minute <laughs> intervals all the time and every day just trying to chase, you know, more point ones, more six minute intervals. And that really twists, I think, you know, someone's psychology. And, you know, I, I grew up in a house full of psychologists. So, um, you know, I feel like I've got a bit of an honorary degree in, in that world. And I can tell you that that is not you know, sort of a purposeful career that got me out of bed smiling and excited every day like I am now. Right. And, you know, I think, again, when you bring everything back to small increments of time as opposed to value creation and when the incentive within a firm structure is to just bill as many hours as you possibly can, um, it really corrupts and, you know, there's a reason, and I'm sure you've heard it before, Rick, too, the, you know, the golden handcuffs and early days in the firm. That's kind of like a joke, but you realize pretty quickly, but no, that's a, that's a real thing. And, you know, I think ultimately you have a ton of these really good people that just get sucked into this really bad game of billing hours, looking for bonuses. And, you know, by the time they're in a position to change things they're they're 10 years into their career and frankly they're tired and you know they've been doing it for a decade they might as well do it for another decade um and that's really where i think the breakdown stems from within the firm context and why there's a huge opportunity for companies like good lawyer to change the game right right very well said thank you tell, tell me what it's let's get back to entrepreneurs um the lawyers are gonna have to fend for themselves um what what is Looking at from the customer side, what does an entrepreneur get by teaming up with with, with Good Lawyer? Do, do they do they get? Um, you, you mentioned before about transparency and on call, and I, I know lower rates, perhaps. I don't know. Tell me what the what what the experience looks like to them for sure. And and maybe I'll just like segue by talking about one, quickly just one other snack bracket of lawyer who are also entrepreneurs and those are the ones that we focus on, um, sure. you know, a sole practitioner, you know, running their own law firm, 
now getting supported by good lawyer, that individual is very much an entrepreneur. That is a small business to a T. And, you know, I think the challenge when you're a solo lawyer is that you have all of the issues and day-to-day problems that a normal entrepreneur has, but you also have this, you know, professional obligation that frankly is higher than most. And so trying to keep up and deliver as a lawyer while simultaneously building a successful business is doubly challenging. And that's really where Good Lawyer steps in to support these, you know, sole practitioners to help them build, you know, the practice of their dreams by supporting them on the business side so that they can focus on what they're really good at, which typically, if you're not me, is on the legal side. Um, So I'll I'll kind of park the lawyer piece now. When we're talking about entrepreneurs and startup founders and scale-up founders, really what we're driving is better, faster, and more cost-effective legal services. It's, It's that simple. You know, for me, I have a firm belief that, you know, whether you're using ChatGPT or not, lawyers aren't going anywhere anytime soon. And by anytime soon, I mean, certainly in my lifetime, lawyers aren't going anywhere. And I see all of those AI and other tools just, just, you know, giving those lawyers, you know, more and more superpowers to support more clients and support them better. And so when we're thinking about the entrepreneurs and the founders that we're helping with Good Lawyer, fundamentally, it is connecting those dots, giving lawyers the tools so that they can be optimized and deliver fast, cost-effective, and, you know, with a high degree of expertise in those industries that matter to the business that we're dealing with. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of benefits to the big national firm like where I grew up. And one of the most notable benefits is that spectrum of niche expertise Mm -hmm. all across the country or in some cases all across the world. And so being able to connect a business with a lawyer that understands in a deep way their business and their industry is paramount. And being able to connect them with a lawyer who has that expertise at a better price with, you know, a more efficient, less stressful process and then continuing to play, you know, broker or manager in the middle so that if, you know, expectations aren't being met or if the price, you know, if there's a change order, you know, that, that's something that I learned when I was running a, a contracting business before law school. Change orders are a thing. They're not really a thing in law, which seems so silly. Um, so, you know, that, that actually is where Good Lawyer began was just this simple idea that, lawyers could provide fixed fee prices for the majority of services they offer. And, you know, we define a scope, we give you a price. And if the scope changes wildly, then we can give you a change order after a conversation. And, you know, the idea that you just give a, a, you know, a blank check to a firm and, you know, when it's typically not a blank check, but you give a big check to a firm and when it runs out, they tap you for another one just seems so backwards to me in any service industry. And, you know, I happen to be a corporate lawyer. So that was the one that we focused on changing. Neat. Um, in, in terms of the, the, the client experience, though, is it that I sign up? Do I pay a monthly fee or something in order to access somebody? If I have six to eight questions a month, do, or do we have a meeting once a month where we 
Yeah. Great question. Going on? How does it work? Yeah. So good lawyer today, you know, you can pop on a goodlawyer.ca and, and check it out if you're listening, but we really have two business lines, business line one. And you know, this is really where we started is the fixed fee project-based service marketplace. And so to access, if you're an early stage founder, you're an entrepreneur, you can come onto the website, you can, you know, click a few buttons and that will filter you a list of lawyers that, you know, our algorithm predicts can support you and your legal needs. And we'll get you, you know, basically the self-serve option to get connected with a lawyer. Or if you're a little confused, you can always run through our legal concierge team. So we have, you know, a team within Good Lawyer fully dedicated to supporting entrepreneurs and founders, find the right lawyer and make sure that they're getting taken care of well. Um, so that's the project-based side. Are the concierge lawyers or paralegals or just people who help? Uh, they're overseen by lawyers, yeah. but most of them are not lawyers. Yeah, Most of them have you know a tremendous familiarity with law and the services that we offer and you know can point you in the right direction 99 out of 100 times. And if there's a question that's sort of beyond their scope, then we feed it up the chain. And typically it would land with our COO, Josh Weinberger, who was a you know seven-year securities lawyer at one of the biggest firms in the country. Right. I think that sounds like a perfect platform to talk with, with, with someone who's not a lawyer first. <laughs> totally. It's, it's a safe place. We're not clocking yes. you know, minutes and you know, you, we're just there to make sure that you're getting the support that you need. So the project-based stuff is, is business line one. And that can range from, you know, a quick legal strategy session, a contract review, all the way up to we'll do a fixed fee M&A transaction or, you know, we've got massive international patent portfolios that we will do on a project basis. The other business line is really more or less reserved for scale up founders and enterprise where they have such a recurring volume of legal needs that... Uh, they need a lawyer on their team on a regular basis. And, you know, I mentioned it a couple times already. That's our fractional general counsel or fractional counsel if we're augmenting an, an already existing in-house legal team at a larger enterprise. But that is really where instead of buying a scope of work, you're buying a chunk of a lawyer on a monthly basis. Um, so those packages tend to start at, 2,500 to three grand a month and, and can go up quite a ways. And we're just starting to enter a world where we're actually putting together fractional legal teams because as much as, you know, hiring a, a, an in-house lawyer full-time can be a huge boon for a business. Frankly, one lawyer cannot cover the entire spectrum when it comes to a complex high growth scale up. There's just too many pieces of the puzzle, whether it's IP employment corporate commercial, you know, privacy, regulatory. There's just so many legal pieces that these scale-ups have to deal with that we're now starting to put together these fractional teams that can support a business with different expertise, but still in this transparent, cost-effective way. That's very cool. And are these teams like separate, discrete, standalone things, or are they always fluid and flowing depending on the needs right now they're pretty structured um 
you know, and I kind of alluded to it at the very, very beginning of this pod about iteration, where I see it going is to be a bit more fluid, where there's a basket of, you know, these highly experienced lawyers. And we're, and just to be clear too, um, unfortunately, and again, this is something that I think we will revisit down the road. Um, we aren't a place for early sort of junior lawyers to build their practice. You know, that's something that I think we can um, look to build on. I've got an idea for Good Lawyer Apprentice down the road. But today, you know, the focus really is on serving the businesses to the best of our abilities. And frankly, that means bringing on lawyers with 5, 10, 15, 20 years of experience. And when we're talking about the lawyers that we're putting on these fractional engagements. Um, all of those lawyers have over 10 years experience, big law, in-house, and you know, seniority because they're coming in at the executive level when they're supporting these scale-ups. And, and that's really interesting because I guess one of the unstated assumptions in my head was that you would be attracting junior lawyers, people just starting out or something, finding it a good platform to get started. But you're telling me that's not what good lawyers has done so far. No. And I mean, in the very early days, you know, beggars can't be choosers. And so we we were a little bit more liberal in sort of the lawyers that we were bringing onto the platform. But today, you know, I've I've got a wait list around the corner of lawyers that want to be on the platform. And so we've had the benefit of being able to be quite selective with the lawyers that we're bringing into the network. And, you know, in the long run, like I said, I, I see a, a bright future with a, a good lawyer apprentice program where we can have some of those junior lawyers working closely with the senior lawyers in our network. Um, but where we're at today the focus is on delivering the best legal service that we can to these businesses. And, you know, for better or for worse, that means bringing on more senior counsel. Yeah. And is it possible to talk a little bit about the benefits to your clients? Because I'm thinking that once you take the fear of calling a lawyer away, (laughs) then you Mm -hmm. probably get a lot of benefits as a business owner from having the right structure in place, having that right to, to, to ha- having um, an, a, a guilt-free reason to call a lawyer, um, having the confidence to have these conversations. Totally. And, and, and you know what? It, it, one of the, I'd say, nice things about my industry and the one that we, you know, have been chipping away at for you know, four and a half years now is most folks are pretty good. Like most entrepreneurs, founders, they're pretty good at identifying when they need a lawyer. Their spidey sense kicks in and they're like, oh, I've I've got to sign this contract. Oh, I want to bring a co-founder on. Oh, I've got this great invention that I've been building. I would like to protect it. Usually they've got a pretty good instinct on when they need a lawyer. Like there's not a lot of convincing that I have to do talking with entrepreneurs, founders to convince them that legal is important to their business and convincing them that, you know, a good lawyer would be helpful. It's really about convincing them that good lawyer can be trusted 
and relied upon to support them in growing their business. And again, the, the pain points that they experience going through more traditional firms is also like super clear to most of these entrepreneurs, especially if they've dealt with a lawyer in the past. Occasionally we're dealing with folks that have never talked to a lawyer and sometimes don't understand how much nicer the good lawyer experience is it is than the traditional one. Um, but for the most part is it is really about establishing sorry, establishing trust and you know being dependable for these entrepreneurs. And so, you know, again, it kind of goes back to our focus now being recruiting, you know, senior legal talent that's hungry to grow their book and support these entrepreneurs. Um, but I'm wondering if we can take it even further, though, and say, I mean, if there's a lawyer that I know and they understand my business, they're more likely to say, hey, have you considered this? Or, oh, yeah. um, you know, there's a structure here you can use to get this done and and point you to resources or, or, or structures that you didn't know about that yeah. could actually yeah. accelerate the yeah. business. Totally. So I actually, uh, uh, thanks for triggering uh, a great example of that. Um, employee stock options, yes. you know, <laughs> early stage startups, cash is tight. So how are you going to attract and retain great talent to join you on, you know, your startup mission? You don't have cash to pay the market rates, but what you do have is a pie that you can slice up and divvy out to supplement, you know, the lower cash amount that you're able to pay as an early stage startup. And Good Lawyer has used employee stock options aggressively for that exact reason, historically. And that is a tool that, it, frankly, is underutilized, I would say, by most early stage startups. The ability to, you know, pay a little cash, but pay a little more in options to attract folks that, you know, cash alone would be insufficient. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I push you for one more example? I mean, just how when we get the relationship between entrepreneur and lawyer right, um, you know, the, the, there must be other advantages as well. Yeah. So, I mean, if we're talking about the, the startup founders that have ambitions to raise capital, sure. getting your corporate structure in proper order and getting that sign off from a lawyer is a, that, that is an absolute obligation if you want to raise capital. And if you're talking to angels, you're talking to venture capitalists, you're not even going to get through the door if you have, you know, like I mentioned earlier, dead weight on the cap table or a corporate structure that nobody can understand. So again, it's one of those trigger points where you have a couple founders, they're going out to raise their first fundraising round. They have incorporated the company, you know, at the registry or something, but that's it. And they don't have any employment agreements in place. They don't have any vesting schedules in place and they go and try to raise capital and they start getting questions from an investor. Oh, can I see this? Can I see your data room? And you know, they're just kind of, sitting there, you know, twiddling their thumbs being like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that's a great example where, you know, that investor, if they really like the business might say, Hey, I've got a lawyer, let me send you to them. And, you know, that's going to most typically be a traditional firm. Then they're going to start seeing the bills from the traditional firm, but they're going to eat them because, you know, they think they're going to raise money. And then, you know, the deal falls away. And next thing you know, you know, they're hooped and they've got this big outstanding bill that they can't pay. And so there are these moments where you're like, at the end of the day, 
contracts establish rights between two parties. And so whether you're dealing with a co-founder, an investor, a new employee, um, I'd say that's one of the areas that's probably a higher liability than most realize because early stage, often the employment agreements are not sort of in the order that they should be. Um, but these relationships that you're establishing as a business are all cloaked in contracts or, you know, should be wrapped in contracts. And so it's those trigger moments where, you know, either they get a document from another party that they're looking at and they're Googling, what does this mean? Maybe they're on chat GPT trying to, you know, create something from scratch. Like they used to go to law Depot or somewhere like that. Um, but ultimately I think they get hamstrung and they don't, how do I put this in a sort of intelligible way? They're hamstrung by contracts that don't exist or exist in the wrong way. And ultimately that pain isn't felt until much later. But when they're making that contract with an employee, with the investor, with whomever, they know they should talk to a lawyer. And the benefit of the, the lawyer the of the is that they're going to they're going to the protect lawyer. your. <laughs> yeah, but that's because historically talking to the lawyer has been so painful. Yeah, and you know, from good lawyers' perspective, reducing that friction, reducing that pain of talking to a good lawyer is what it's all about. And the upside of having the right contracts in place, the upside of being able to use legal tools like the employment stock options to attract talent, um, they're, they're tremendous. And I think that's, you know, one of the sort of underappreciated advantages that my company has had from day one is we've always had lawyers in the room. And so we've kind of been able to take that for granted where a lot of these startups, frankly, don't have that benefit. And, you know, that's what we've been working hard for the last four and a half years on, on building is making legal services more accessible to high growth businesses of all sizes. And, um, yeah, yeah. I think that, <laughs> I'll, I'll, that, I'll park that there. <laughs> well, I think that that is that is exactly the magic, which is that startups need controls. They need proper structures. They can't afford them. They find something off the shelf and use it, and 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 it may or may not work. And as you say, they might not find out that it didn't work. For several years, to and then the totally, and, and it I, comes out and, of and nowhere I think, to bite them. And I think that you know the ambition of the founders or the ambition of the company kind of goes hand in hand with the need for high quality legal. You know, if when I was running, you know, my first little landscaping business when I was fourteen, I won't lie to you, I was not incorporated. I didn't have any contracts. I got paid in cash. And that was okay. It was just me and a buddy pushing our lawnmowers down the street. But then you, went, good you lawyer. went to plan an IPO for it and you found you couldn't do it. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think the more ambitious the company, the more those spidey senses should just be, you know, triggering. And if I had to leave, you know, the entrepreneurs, the founders listening to this pod today with, uh, you know, a piece of advice, it is absolutely if your spotty senses are tingling, pop by goodlawyer.ca and we'll get you on a call with a good lawyer. 
<laughs> That's a good way to put it. What's the the best testimony you've ever had from a, a client of Good Lawyer? Good Lawyer saved my business. That's pretty cool. Can you tell us anything about it? Yeah. Uh, his name was Tyler. He, he runs a, an underwear business and he had a sort of mission critical patent in the U.S. that was about to lapse. And the U.S. is his big, biggest market. He's growing really quickly, uh, has been for the last couple of years. And the patent was about to lapse, which would have absolutely decimated you know, his ability to protect his business and differentiate his life-changing underwear from everybody else's. And fortunately, he got a free advice session through one of our partners at the Trade Accelerator program, got connected with us. We connected him with one of our patent experts, who I call the Michael Jordan of patents, Rami Phil Phil. And from his one conversation with Rami, Rami did some background research, saw that the patent was going to lapse, save the patent quickly at a reasonable price. And that actually, we just had a little celebration because that got approved uh, a couple months ago. And that is the number one most important sort of legal piece of Tyler's business is that American patent. Yeah. And had he not gotten connected with Rami, you know, at the last moment, that patent would be gone. And, you know, Spanx would be creating his life-changing underwear. Wow, exactly. So magic things happen when lawyers and entrepreneurs are actually on the same team. Instead I of mean, it's so, it's, it's so like, it, and maybe it is too a little bit that I just take it for granted. But if you look at every established company and the bigger they get, the more you see it. Every established company has lawyers on call. Every massive established company has an army of them. And, you know, I think the fact that corporate law has grown so much over the last, you know, 50 years is indicative of how important legal is to business success. And again, it comes back to that ambition of the business. But for the really ambitious entrepreneurs and founders out there, if you're not protecting your interests legally, then at some point in the near or potentially distant future, it is going to come and it's going to bite you in the ass. And so that is really what it's been about from day one for me is giving that ex expertise, giving those legal tools to entrepreneurs way earlier in their journey. And frankly, the scale up founders and enterprises that we're working with, giving them an alternative because they're kind of tired of the billable hours too. Yeah. No, that's exciting. Win, win, win. <laughs> the best kind of business. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. In 20 words or less, Brad, as we close out here, what, what's the future of Good Lawyer? What's the future look like? Good Lawyer is going to keep doing what we're doing. We're going to keep iterating and, and really discovering what the sort of ideal platform is to service entrepreneurs and businesses you know, across Canada, and we're going to take that everywhere, likely starting with the U.S. or the U.K., but, you know, my long-term vision is that, um, you know, good lawyers should be in just about every country on this planet, and I think once we have that cross-jurisdictional sort of coverage, then we're going to really unlock entrepreneurs' ability to expand 
into international markets in a way that they've never been able to before. Because of your contacts, you can, you, you're not referring to lawyers, you're referring to actual clients, entrepreneurs. Because of yeah, this I'm network. Yeah, say, I'm saying the hardest thing about trying to go and sell your product in London is establishing the legal parameters right, to do so. Right. And trying to find a good lawyer in London or, you know, trying to find a good lawyer in India is even more challenging than finding a good lawyer in Calgary or Toronto for Canadian entrepreneurs and, and vice versa. So when we're able to unlock international markets to entrepreneurs locally and all over the world, that is when I think um, we're really going to be able to not just have an impact in terms of saving clients time, money, and stress, but really opening doors that they didn't realize were even there. That is very exciting. I, I mean, I, I, I see that happening too, a, an incredible network effect that benefits entrepreneurs all over the world and obviously consumers as well. Uh, so that's very exciting. <laughs> I like to think so, Rick. That's why I'm putting all my blood, sweat, and tears into it. Yeah, we're going to check in with you again. Final question, and maybe the Spidey Sense uh, comment earlier looked after this, but uh, we usually ask our guests for one more final piece of advice uh, for our listeners who eat this stuff up. Building a business is incredibly challenging and it's almost undoubtedly going to be harder than you think it is. And so, um, you know, and then building a business that didn't exist before, you know, which I feel like is the kind of the name of the game when we're talking about startups takes it to a, an even more, you know, it's, how do the guys put it uh, on the team in the dev cave? I think it's legendary mode on Halo or something <laughs> like that. It, it, it is it is so hard. And so to do it successfully, and, you know, we're only partway through your journey, so you can take it with a grain of salt coming from me. But to do it successfully, um, you really got to love it. And you got to surround yourself with people that you love doing it with. So, um, it's going to be harder than you think, but if you love it and you're surrounded with people that you love doing it with, it's going to be worth it. And so I guess to sort of summarize that even more succinctly, you got to really enjoy the journey because if you don't enjoy the journey, you're probably never going to get the outcome that you're, you're looking for. Beautiful. We've been talking with Brett Colvin, CEO and co-founder of Good Lawyer in Calgary. Brett, congratulations on all your success so far, and we're going to be rooting for you as you get get better and better and bigger and bigger. Appreciate it, Rick. Okay, we'll talk again. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence.